Hey Life Can, Roger here, one of the directors. I'm so glad that you're joining us. And if you have been with us for the summer, then you know that we have been in a series called Mark, and you might be either excited or disappointed to know that this is actually the last uh, message in the series on Mark for the summer before we start on a brand new series. But before I get to that, if you are brand new here, I just want to welcome you. And if you have been listening all summer or even longer than that, welcome back. Either way, we believe that you belong to God so that you belong to us. That means we want you to get plugged in, connected, build relationships, and find where God has a place for you in our community. And the best way for you to do that is actually to fill out a connect card so we can help you get plugged in. So fill one of those out on our Church Center app or our website, and we would love to help you get involved. Also, want to remind you that God is up to a lot uh, at our church. This Sunday, during the service you're about to listen to, we actually officially installed Pastor Jared Van Vorst as the lead pastor of Life Canton, and it was such an amazing day to uh, celebrate, to encourage, to reflect on some of the things that God has done and, and dream about some of the things he's going to do next. So if you want to invest in what God is doing, not just through Jared, but through our church, through our staff, through our partners, through everyone who walks through our doors, then I would encourage you to do that by giving via our Church Center app or our website to support the work uh, that God is up to. But like I said, this is the last message you'll hear on Mark. It's a bit of a short one, uh, so you'll hear that from Pastor Jared, and he will close out the series for us. Give that a listen, and I will catch back up with you in just a moment. Hello, and thanks for watching this message. We hope that as you do, you have an encounter with Jesus and that you come away changed and want to become more like him. Also, as you finish watching this message, we'd love for you to consider doing three different things. One of those is to share this link with somebody else who might also need to hear this message. Secondly, we'd love for you to fill out the Connect card. There's a link below this video that you can click on to fill out some information about yourself and then take your next steps to engage with us and our community. Lastly, we'd love for you to give and to invest in the work that we get to be a part of here at Life Church Canton. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, my name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you're new here, uh, maybe you didn't know what to expect this morning. You're like, this, this isn't what we do every day, by the way, every Sunday. And I don't normally dress up like this, so don't, don't get used to it, all right? Um, but I'm glad you're here. And if you are new, please get connected with us. You can meet any of us out in the lobby in the Welcome Center. We'd love to help you get uh, connected and take your next steps. You can fill out a Connect card. I think sometimes we have a QR code that comes up on there. So if you're more tech savvy and you want to do that with your phone, you can do that as well. Um, I'm, I'm honored and humbled uh, to be standing here. I'm a little jittery. Uh, some of that's from the emotions, and some of it is from uh, a little extra caffeine this morning. And then some of it is I'm just seeing my family in person for the first time this week because um, COVID went through our, our household, and so I was staying at somebody else's house for an entire week. So um, if anybody doesn't believe in spiritual warfare, <laughs> uh, God has a plan for our joy. I heard Alex mention that a couple times. And the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And, and my wife said he's trying to rob us, steal our joy. 
Um, not just for me and our family, but for what God is doing in this church. And so we need to press in even more and pray as a, as a community. And so I want to call us to that. Uh, but that's why, why the masks this morning as well. So thank you for your prayers for those of you who knew that, that we're going through that this week. Um, it's, been a, it's been an encouragement to me that you would support our family in that way. Also, um, I was thinking about, you know, what to talk about, and I didn't even know that I got to talk. I thought this was just like Garth's show, um, which uh, that would have been fine. Um, but they said sometimes for these installation services, you know, the, the new installed pastor should preach. And I thought, you know, what, what would I talk about? This is not going to be a 40-minute sermon or a short 45-minute sermon, as Alex talked about. And I also thought, um, I don't want to just talk, I don't like to talk about myself. I don't want to talk about me. And for those of you who haven't been with us all summer long, we've been in a series on Mark. And we've done our 15 chapters. There are 16 chapters. I didn't want to just bypass that. I didn't want to go away from that. I didn't want to not do Mark 16 and then just move on with the rest and be like, surprise, you're not going to know the end of the story. Um, so we're going to talk about Mark 16, and I was talking about this with some folks, uh, some other pastors actually, in preparation for today, and other pastors, you know Mark 16, right? And you know what's in there, and some of them were asking, like, what part of Mark 16 are you going to talk about? Because for those of you who don't know, or who haven't read Mark 16, or don't know the Bible very well, that's okay, but Mark 16 is kind of a mess. It's a hot mess. There's actually three different endings to the book of Mark, and some of you are like, wait, is the Bible choose your own adventure? No, that's not what that is. You don't get to like vote on how the ending of the story of Jesus goes. There's a reason for the three different endings. I'll talk about that in just a second. But one of the endings is kind of bizarre, especially if you're newer to the scriptures. It's, it's the third ending in Mark 16. And it, it talks about a couple different things. It talks about some things that we've already seen in the book of Mark, some signs, some wonders. It says, you will cast out demons in my name. You will speak in tongues, all these sort of supernatural things that they're going to do, the, the, these new believers in Jesus are going to do. But then it gets to verse 18 and it takes a really weird turn all of a sudden for a second. I want to show you verse 18. And it says this, they will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. What? Like, what? Does anybody read this and be like, okay, so how do I grow in my faith? I got to find my some snakes somewhere. I got to, you know, this is essential to living the Christian life. And and as I was talking about this with some other pastors, I, I jokingly said that would be fun to like go Oprah on everybody and be like, everybody look under your chairs right now. You get a snake and you get a snake, right? That'd be fun. Go, you know, grow in your faith. Handle that snake with care. Um, or, or all the coffee, did anybody have coffee this morning? Guess what? We poisoned it. But you passed the test. You did it. You're spiritual. You made it. You're still here. You're still living. No, that's not what I'm going to focus on today. I did want to focus on a part of Mark 16 that I think had some good themes for what we're talking about today and, and really beyond today too, because I came into this with some mixed emotions. I'm excited. I, I'm not one to stop and celebrate. I'm just kind of, I kind of move on. And if I'm sort of at the center of celebration, that additionally makes me feel weird. So I had some mixed emotions coming into today. Uh, but then as I read Mark 16, I was like, no, this actually this makes a lot of sense. Because this isn't, a, this isn't just about me. Uh, this is about our church and about what God is doing in his church, right? You've already heard Alex talk about that. And what is he doing in his church? I don't know yet. I don't know. <laughs> and maybe if you know, would you send me an email? But like, I don't know where this is all going to go. And so there's a little bit of an unknown feeling as well that I'm wrestling with. 
And as I read Mark 16, I thought, you know what, that, that's actually kind of the, the theme here to the ending that is most agreed upon by biblical scholars when it comes to the end of Mark 16. We've got three different endings, but there's one that kind of feels unresolved. feels like there's a little bit of unknown. I want to read Mark 16, verses 5 through 8. If you have a Bible, you can join. Otherwise, if you don't, totally okay. It'll be on the screen. It says, when they, the women, uh, disciples of Jesus, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. The end. That's the end of the story. That's how it ends. I talked about this a little bit for the Easter message this past year. This is the most agreed upon ending in the book of Mark. In Mark chapter 16, there's really nothing beyond that, which then it goes to other endings that kind of tie it up a little bit nicer with a nice, neat bow. But this doesn't feel like a nice, neat bow. This doesn't feel like a resolved ending. There's a lot of unknowns here. I want to just give you three brief observations about this passage and the parts that I uh, highlighted. The first one being, he isn't here, he is risen. Everything that we do in this church is based on the resurrection of Jesus. It has to be. He's risen from the dead. He is alive, so you and I are alive and will be alive. Everything hinges on that. If it doesn't, we should all just pack it up and go home. Otherwise, we're just a, we're a glorified country club who serves coffee from time to time, right? Like, that's, I'm not going to get up out of bed for that. There has to be something greater for why we continue to exist, why we continue to meet week in and week out, and why we continue to go to one another's houses and care for the sick and lift up people who are unemployed and come alongside people who are experiencing all kinds of hate or impression or any kind of trauma. Like, we have to do that because he isn't here. He is risen from the dead. He is alive. And if the resurrection is our future, which comes with a little bit of unknowns, but that's kind of an exciting known If the resurrection is our future, then our present involves the ministry of reconciliation and the ministry of restoration. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing what we do. And it's why I'm on board. If I don't know the future, I'm okay with that. I do know that the resurrection is crucial to our future. That's the first observation. The second one is this, including Peter, this phrase, including Peter. Why would that need to be said? Why is that so important for them to hear? Hey, go tell the disciples, including Peter. Some of you know the story. Some of you know what Peter did, what he was a part of, and what had happened leading up to this moment. And it's this moment where Peter denies Jesus after Jesus is arrested and incarcerated. And then all of a sudden, all of these people are sort of scattering. They're afraid. They don't want to be associated with Jesus. Specifically, Peter doesn't want to be associated with Jesus. He verbally says that. I don't know him. I'm not with him. I'm not who you think I am. I'm not with that guy because if he is, then he too is going to go through the same suffering that Jesus is about to experience. So he runs away. He gives up on Jesus. Well, guess what? 
Why does the angel have to tell these women, hey, go tell the disciples, including Peter. I don't know, maybe some gossip got around to the group and they thought, you know what, Peter, he's scrammed, he's, he's done, he's gone. He's probably no longer uh, part of this group anymore. So we should just go tell the disciples. That means we exclude Peter. But the angel says, no, go tell the disciples, including Peter. Don't leave anybody out. Don't leave anybody out. Everybody belongs. Everybody gets to hear this message, this good news that Jesus isn't here, that he has risen from the dead. Go tell the disciples, include Peter. And I thought about this. I thought about for some of you who have come this morning, maybe it is your first time or your first couple times, and you have felt like you are excluded by churches or by people in your circle, by people in your community, and you feel like this is not something that you maybe necessarily want to be a part of, or maybe something that you felt pushed out of. I even think of, uh, for some of you who are returning and being in this room, you, you used to come here. And so returning comes with some mixed emotions for you, and I understand that. Maybe you have all different kinds of feelings about uh, what this church used to be versus what it's become, and so there's some hardship with that, and I understand that. And I appreciate your courage for even stepping in these doors and seeing what God is up to. Yes, even you are still included. And maybe you felt like you're a little bit of a, a pilgrim wandering in the wilderness, or maybe you have felt pushed out of this community. Regardless of what the future holds, this doesn't, your past doesn't, change the fact that Jesus goes ahead of us, that we can go and meet him there. It doesn't minimize the pain maybe that you felt. Jesus goes ahead of us and he will meet us here together. Yes, even you are included in what Jesus is up to, including Peter. The third observation is this. They were too frightened. This is why the ending doesn't feel all that resolved. This is why other scholars believe that some other writers came in and sort of tied up the story just a little bit better. Like we can't, that's, that's not a powerful message to end on. They were too frightened, fear, unknown, scariness. Like that's not okay. We gotta, we gotta end the story with a little bit more like gusto, with a little bit more promise of the future. No, that's, that's not how Mark ends the story. The women were trembling, bewildered, and they were too frightened to say anything to anyone. I thought about it like this. Maybe there's a different way that we can think about it, a different lens that we can look at Mark's ending and understand what, is that, what exactly is he trying to say. I thought about it this way. I want to show you a picture, and I want you to shout out. What comes to mind when you see this picture? Marvel. Some people said Avengers. Is this the Avengers? I don't know. I don't really pay attention to Marvel, so you're going to have to tell me. Okay. I'm not into Marvel, as my spiritual director would say, that's not my testimony, okay? Like, it's not my thing, but it's my son's thing, apparently. He, like, binge-watched all of them in, in a row so he could see them all. And what do we know about Marvel? What's unique about Marvel? Well, guess what? Disney has really done something successfully in terms of just from a pure marketing standpoint. People stay in the theaters after they've finished watching a Marvel movie, and they watch all the way through the credits because what's on the other side? There's a sequel. There's clips to give you clues for the sequel. And Marvel has like 364 sequels to their movies, right? Or something around there, give or take. There's so many Marvel movies. 
But there's always a sequel, and there's this excitement, and Marvel fans have become known for staying in the theater to see what comes next. They want to know what comes next, and they get clues. They don't get the full picture of what's coming, but if you're a Marvel fan, you kind of watch that clue, and you're like, oh, I think I know where this is going. I think I know where, where this is headed. This is exciting. Oh, they're going to come out with this next movie. Oh, that's going to be so great. People stick around for the sequel. What if Mark is telling his audience, that first century audience, with this ending to say, hey, it's not all wrapped up with a nice, neat bow. I just told you this extremely fast-paced, exciting, a little bit scary, lots of joy and amazement, fast-paced story of Jesus. And I'm going to end it with what, what happened in that the women saw Jesus or actually saw the absence of Jesus, that he had risen, that he's no longer in the grave. And they had this new message that they possessed and they were trembling, they were bewildered, and they weren't sure necessarily what to do with this message. And so they didn't say anything because they were too frightened. The end, don't leave us hanging, Mark. Give us more. What if Mark is saying, yes, they had this incredible message that they possessed. They were a little bit afraid about what to do with that message. Will you too, audience, be afraid? Or will you take this message of hope and goodness and love and excitement and resurrection, restoration and reconciliation, and will you be afraid or will you go and share this message with those you come in contact with? There's a sequel There's more to come. This is where the church comes in. I believe this is why Mark leaves out sort of this nice, neat, resolved ending because he says there's more to the story. This is just the beginning. And as I'm thinking about this church, will you stay for the sequel? Will you stay, stick around to see what comes next? And guess what? I don't know what the future holds, but I know the one who holds the future, right? There's more to come. I don't know exactly what God's all going to do, but I know that the resurrection leads us forward. His spirit fills us and empowers us to lead us forward. And I am along for the ride. And if you were to ask any pastor at the end of 2019, hey, what do you think the next five years of ministry are going to look like? (laughs) Dumpster fire, right? What a mess. I'm not going to predict the future. But we are going to continue to be a prayerful community, spirit-led community that, that, that leans on the voice, the guidance, sometimes the whisper, the quietness of God. I wonder if sometimes, and I'm not the first one to say this, but that the last five years were a reminder for us to stop and to slow down so that we can listen to God in the middle of the noise in the middle of the hurry. I also think about it this way, in terms of this church, the, the, the season of this church. Um, this church has been in existence for now 20 years. This is the 20th anniversary of the church. Back in the spring, we failed to acknowledge that. I was getting caught up to speed on the history of this church. We will continue to celebrate milestones in this church, but this is the 20th anniversary of this church. Uh, how many of you remember where you were when you were 20? Did you have it all figured out? Were you making the best decisions? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Some of you aren't 20 yet, and so you don't know about that. You'll learn about that from your parents, maybe. I was not making smart decisions when I was 20. 
I didn't have it all figured out. Some of you are finishing up school. Some of you are maybe getting married. Some of you are becoming parents for the first time. Some of you are just trying to get your life in order when you're 20 years old. But there is so much packed potential within you when you're 20. Because you don't know what's ahead of you, but you're ready for it. And maybe sometimes as a 20-year-old, you even feel a little bit invincible. Like, I can do anything. I wonder if that's the season we are in as a church. We are packed with potential. There is more to come. We don't know what the future holds, but we're excited for it. And we're ready for it. And we're going to come together. We're going to bind together in peace and in unity and figure out what this looks like for the next 20 years. Will you stick around for the sequel? I want to finish with this and give us some action step um, to stay for the sequel. That's, that's the first one. Just stick around for the sequel. I want to invite you to do that. But the second one is we need to figure out how to invest. And Alex actually already started talking about this, but I want to say this. I want us to, as a priority for me, for, for me as a leader, I want to invest even more in our community in very specific ways. I don't want to just talk about that in abstract ways. Like, oh yeah, wouldn't it be nice to invest in community? No, no, no. On October 29, we're going to be specifically narrowing down how exactly we are going to make an impact in our physical community around us. Uh, Because that's kind of gone by the wayside a little bit over the pandemic and, and other things. And so we need to pick up that torch once again to reclaim our identity in Jesus and to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. That's our 10 year vision. I want to invest in community. I also want to increase our hospitality. And I would even be more specific in saying increase our multi-ethnic hospitality. We have a beautiful mosaic of people in this room. And I'm excited for that. And there's more to be represented at the table. More hospitality. I've, I've heard it said this way, that the, uh, the ways of hospitality break down the walls of hostility. I want to invest in that kind of hospitality. And then the last one is this. I want us to invest in our young people. We have to invest in young people. Alex already said it. I'm just going to double down on that. I got my start in student ministries for the first 10 years of my ministry career was working with middle school and high school students. Talk about potential. Our young people have so much potential to see the world with new lenses. I'm, I'm 40 now. Like I'm, I'm irrelevant. I don't even watch Marvel, right? Like I'm not, I'm not up to speed on all of this stuff, but I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to act like I've got it all figured out and, and start dressing a certain way. Well, I guess I did dress differently today, but like, I'm not going to change who I am or change my identity. Instead, I'm going to pour into young people who can speak the language of their culture and start sharing the kingdom of God others. We need to do this as well. We need to invest our time, our talent, and our treasure into making these investments become a reality. I know sometimes uh, that takes a financial investment as well. And so for those of you who are generous people, thank you for continuing to be generous. And for those of you who want to be, I want to invite you to participate in that investment, to give. Because this isn't just going to happen out of thin air. We have to commit to it. God is going to move in this church. It's not just going to be me 
we are going to do this together. You stick around for the sequel to see what's next. I want to invite you to stand as we worship one more song together. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us today. I hope that Pastor Jared's message got you dreaming and excited about what God is doing next. We want you to not just witness that, but be deeply involved into what God has in this next season for Life Can. So again, be sure to reach out and get connected. If there's anything that you need, any kind of support and encouragement, we would love to be there for you in that way as well. Connect Card is going to be the best way to do that. But I hope you have a blessed week. I hope that God shows you a little bit of what's next for you in this church in the week ahead. Uh, We'll talk to you real soon.